This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Known and Never podcast and football show brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week we have a bumper episode. We have our stat man Dave Roberts going to give us a preview in our upcoming game against the Baggies. We've got our FPL expert and analyst Adam Dennett and we are joined by our very special guest and friend of the show Mr. Mike Landers. Gentlemen, we have a lot to cover this evening. We have got another fabulous win for Clarence, that home game against Coventry, which we're going to have a look at and, you know, just pull a few things out of that game, which kind of doesn't really have an awful lot of talking points, apart from a very strange fan feud. But we'll come on to that in a moment. And then we will hand over and we will look ahead to the next soon-to-be championship victory for the mighty Clarence. So before we start, Dave Roberts... In our last preview show, which was, of course, ahead of that commentary fixture, you gave our listeners a quiz question. What was that quiz question, please? Uh, we wanted to know if our listeners could tell us in which year or years did Burnley set the club record sequence of 18 consecutive home wins. That was a very tricky question. Adam Dennett, did you have an answer at all or could you guess? Yes, I did manage to get it after after the recording. That was uh, it was my guess. Um, I'll let Dave come on to um, the answer, but I did manage to get it in the end. Tricky, Mike. One. Would you have had any idea? Because I would literally have been picking a year out of dinner. Not whatsoever. <laughs> let's let's go with uh, you because know, I'm picking it out of the out of the ether. What year did we win the t- the title? Nineteen. Uh, 19- oh God, that's gone out of my head. Nineteen fifty one. 5051. Excellent. So we've got a 1951, and Adam Dennett thinks he got it. Dave, what was the answer, and did anybody get it right? Uh, the correct answer was I did say year or years. It stretched across two years. It was 1920 to 1921, which coincidentally, or maybe not, was when Burnley won the uh, league title for the first time. So that's uh, that's when our record run was. And we're not quite there yet. We've got uh, nine consecutive home wins. Um, so we're halfway there. This team can do it. This team's going to be smashing records. Did any of our other listeners get a question right, Dave? 
the only one I saw in terms of correct answers was uh, Andy Richings again was in touch, got it spot on, 1920 and 1921. And of course, Adam, who also got 1920-21. Who conveniently got it after he Googled it after the recording had been done. I'm just going to throw that out there, Adam, Dennett. We know your trick. We know it. programming I would have seen. <laughs> I know, we did. Right, well, let's, let's have a quick look before we move on to um, looking at a preview of the show. We have got... Mr. Mark Landers on today to talk us through that very impressive um, and I would say hard-fought win at home against Coventry City. Now, Mike, before we get on to the actual game itself, a little bit of a weird relationship has developed with the Coventry fans. What on earth is going on, please? Uh, it is It is very strange. It is obviously clearly the most bitter and divisive rivalry in the history of English <laughs> which has been kicked off by the, the the source of all evil in the world right now, which appears to be Twitter. Yes. Yeah, since since there was the Calibor hair thing, um, there's just been this really weird rivalry, this weird sort of, uh, you know, hatred, whatever you want to call it, from both sides over something that literally did not happen. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we didn't buy him. It didn't happen. Nothing happened. And you kept him. You, yeah. What's going on? Yeah, and from that has grown this this entire thing. And I'm not actually, I'm not going to pick sides uh, because um, ultimately both sides have been as bad as each other. Um, and on Saturday, it was just, you you had, you know, you had the idiot uh, 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 doing the minute silence or chanting during the minute silence. To be fair to the commentary fans, I have to point this out, they were the first lot to try and shut him up. Yeah. Um, they certainly did that. But, it, you know, some idiot thought it'd be funny. There's been footage of, of things flying across the divide. Um, I was walking out the ground and uh, one lad who who clearly had, you know, of tasted his first pint was trying to <laughs> trying to attack everybody, um, you know. It's just it's the, Yeah, let's put it this way. Yeah, it was the way he chose it. It was, you know, oh, you know, I'm holding me back. If, if, I, if only my mates weren't holding me back. Uh, I'd be there over kicking, kicking backsides, and I'm like looking at it, going, "Your mates aren't holding your back, lad." Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just the weirdest thing, and and I, I also want to say, that's the man of the match. That seemed to wind up. Really yeah, did. let's come on to that in a minute. Before I do that, yeah. did I see somewhere? And listeners, forgive me, I'm a terrible part-time pro this week, um, but I was in Austria, so I didn't. I wasn't at the game at the weekend. I had to give it a miss. And I saw a weird headline, and I, I share your view with this, Mike. I never know whether anything I believe on Twitter is real or not anymore. But did I see that Ashley Barnes got pies thrown at him, or was that made up? It wouldn't surprise me, because at the end of the game, I did notice the subs warm down. They normally do their warm down. But they normally do their warm down, you know, a few minutes after everyone's left the pitch. Yes. And, yeah. they know, you know, the stands are empty. And they all did their warm down and they all ran straight down to in front of the Coventry fans. So I'm like, something's happened there. And I suspect, and this is only a guess, but it's an educated one. Obviously, the players warm up during the game. They run down to that corner. And I suspect things were happening uh, when they were doing that, that warm up during the game. So um, I think Ashley Barnes, who has never been one to shy away from <laughs> And Nathan Teller, who certainly he might have a smiley he's face. Feisty. He is definitely, he's he feisty. is feisty. He went down there as well. So, um, 
Yeah, let's let's say six and one half a dozen of the other there. I thought that was a bit odd. Um, and I, I think they had a reason. I don't know what the reason was, but I think they had a reason. So Okay, let's leave it at that. Yeah. We do not condone on the Known and Ever podcast the throwing of any item, be it a pie or otherwise. If you're going to throw a pie, though, don't be wasting a perfectly good pie. That's exactly. Holland's pie is too good. They're not expensive enough for the turf anyway. Exactly. Like, let's not do this. So let's move on to then, Mike. And, and I'm going to I'm going to give you the floor again, just mainly because that's why we brought you on the show. Um, <laughs> talk us through what many of the media outlets are describing as a below par performance by the Clarets. Interesting to say below par. Was it below par consider, com, uh, compared to the rest of the season? Yeah, it probably was. But that's because the standard has been so high. Yeah. It was not a good performance in the first half. The conditions didn't help. Um, but I have to say, Coventry were much the better side. They were playing some really nice stuff, some really nice pass and move stuff. They weren't creating much in the way of clinical chances. But they certainly were on top. Claret's uh, radar was off. The midfield wasn't doing much. Cork took a very early yellow card, which he justified, by the way, um, which kind of made him ineffective. But Coventry were much, much that better side in that first half. Um, they, they could pass to for a start, which we weren't really doing. Um, our defence was pretty good, I thought. Charlie Taylor in a centre-back, a little bit worried about that before the game against Jokeres. I think he was all right. Uh, Bayer was was excellent. Murich wasn't really troubled, but you kind of got the feeling at half time that we were lucky not to be going. So we were lucky to be going in level. Mm. And if we had a second half like that, we would have been very lucky to get away with a point. Um, and I think that's not so much uh, a fault of Burnley as the fact that Coventry. You have been flying, I think, one, four out of the last five, something like that. Yeah. Um, they were very good, and you could see why. Okay, so I'm going to bring Adam in just very quickly on this one while we're talking about this. This was a similar theme when we actually played the away leg, Adam, and again, a 1-0, very narrow victory. And we struggled a little bit. If you remember, that was the one that ended a run of equaliser of like conceding yes, equalizers yeah. really late on. Um and I thought their fullbacks particularly caused us a lot of problem at the away leg. What have Coventry given a magic formula that if they could have executed it maybe a little better, that that's how you beat the Clarets? Because that's two legs now where we've not won as convincingly as maybe we have with other sides. Yeah, we've we've seen teams set out for um for a draw against us at, at turf and um and not being anywhere near as successful sure uh, so credit credit to them for that i think we played um both wingers right on the to the um right on the touch lines but we couldn't get them into the game um i think the midfield coventry won the midfield battle and that just stopped us at source um and going back to what mike said about charlie taylor coming in I think it did okay, but I think we did miss the distribution that Taylor Howard yeah. Bellis gives us. And I don't want to be too critical because it's a new partnership back there. Uh, Taylor and Bay, I don't think they'll have played together uh, before. But I think Taylor, in particular, slowed the game down a lot in the first half mm. uh, and probably didn't give us that quality that, um, that Howard Bellis normally does. But that is being extremely harsh. Um, the 
yeah, they did very well, Coventry. And like Mike said, I think if they if they were a bit sharper at the front end of the pitch, they got into a lot of positions that really should have troubled us more um, and didn't have a shot on target. So, um, yeah, lucky to go in at half-time, um, nil-nil. I was, I was happy to go in at half-time, nil-nil. I think the only chance we had really were when Coventry gave the ball away in midfield and we broke quite quickly but kind of got in each other's way and then J-Rod sliced a shot horribly wide. Uh, which I think, given his lack of chances and, and goals recently, probably snatched it a bit, but yeah. he didn't really put him anything all half. Zaruri and Benson, when they did get the ball, um, didn't look as as confident and, and, and as potent as usual. And like, again, like Mike said, the conditions maybe played a part, but we just weren't on it at all, first half. Okay. Um Mike, it's an interesting quandary, isn't it, that centre-half pairing? Because Taylor Howard-Bellis is a massive loss. What do you do if you're Vincent Company in terms of our defensive partners? Do you stick with Taylor or do you bring our new lad in? Difficult to say without seeing the new lad, really. Um, well for this week's game, I'd certainly stay stay with Charlie Taylor. Um, yeah, it, yeah I, I'd stick with Taylor for the moment, unless unless the new guy has you know shows something or is perhaps longer term. Because when Taylor was starting at the start of the season, um, you kind of got the feeling that he was there to to hold the hand of Harwood Bellis. Um, but then Harwood Bellis is just showing how good yeah, he is. Yeah, it's like, no. Um, and he's there. holding the hand of John Thayer. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah, no, no disrespect to Charlie Taylor, but he's not the future. Um, and no, uh, Bayer no, and, and uh, Harwood Bellis is, and presumably Al Dakil is. So... I'd be I, I'd stick with Taylor. He certainly didn't do anything wrong. I yeah. think he's probably better for the West Brom game. And then let's see what the future brings. Um, certainly nothing. He, he, he Adam's right. You know he doesn't give the. He's not the distribution uh, that Harwood Bellis is. Um, he's never scored for Burnley, has he? He's only scored a penalty or at least two penalties. So you know he's 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 good from twelve yards, but not with the long shots. Yeah, um, I think, did Charlie Taylor score the winning penalty in that cup game that Dyche desperately didn't want us to get through to and look fuming on? The, yeah, that was it. He was on the sideline, like, great, thanks, yeah. Charlie Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think he did it against. Uh, I want to say one of the FA Cup games at home against like a Barnsley or something. But um, yeah, I I'd stick with him. Yeah, let's, let's yeah. see. Happy with that. Uh, before we move on, then to have a look ahead to the next game, any other anything else that you wanted to highlight, Mike? Anything else that you wanted to pick up on in terms of the game itself, or was it just hard fought victory? Well, well, we've got Cork. You know, Cork is out, but JBG oh, came out. That's on. very true, actually. Yes. Yeah, oh, JBG, JBG came on, and it came. It transformed the team. I thought. Um, you know, if JBG, if we've had this JBG for the last four years, you know, we'd still be in the Premier League. He was brilliant, and uh, he makes that glue work, uh, you know, going forwards when we need it to work. And it's a shame that, you know, we can't fit him and that first-choice midfield in the team altogether. Yeah. Uh, but he's a hell of a weapon to bring off the bench, especially alongside Teller. Um, the only downside is um, Scott Twine. Uh, the, the lad was literally stripped off and ready to come on. No, uh, he, was standing, he didn't make it he, he had taken his shirt off and everything until that goal went in. And, you know, ah! I'm just thinking, whatever that lad has done, he has walked under every ladder. He has <laughs> every black cat. It's a shame. But, uh, you know, 
how do how do you no one predicted JBG to to fit in no. uh, as well as he has and be I think an absolute star this season, um, which is kind of interesting because I don't think anyone want any, not anyone expected it to happen, um, uh, but I'm glad it did because he really made the team tick in that second half. Uh, Zorori started playing instead of as Adam saying just hanging around on the touchline. Um, it really began to work and then everything began to click and the Clarets just did the thing that they do, which is just basically throw a blanket over the opposition and tire them out. Um, and when they do it, it's wonderful, wonderful to watch. Yeah, um, it, is. it is. And uh, and just uh, the Mark Robbins, uh, he was criticising his goalkeeper for losing his rag. Yeah. Uh, justified it so as well, I thought. He was, yeah, I thought he was completely justified yeah. in turning around saying, you don't do that against a team like, like Clarets. No. Because... Uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a comparison I hate to make because it sounds lazy uh, with the company thing, but it's like Man City. You cannot afford to stop thinking and concentrating against Man City. They'll kill you the moment you do. And uh, they commentary switched off and we got straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's blooming good to be on the uh, the giving rather than the receiving end it's these days. Amen to that. I'm not going to lie, Mike. I am not looking forward to the end of this season because I am enjoying it immensely. Um, well, that's, I think, we're, all we're going to cover in terms of the Coventry reaction. Um, let's go ahead now and have a look to the Clarets' next game. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And that Claret's fixture is, of course, another home tie. It is a Friday night this week, Friday the 20th of January. We are once again live on Sky Sports, as the Claret's always are these days. We're just entertainers and um, it's 8 p.m kickoff dave why don't you please set us off with the preview of the west brom game by giving us the championship head to head uh, yeah you may be surprised to know that west bromwich albion are the club that burnley have played the most league fixtures against there have been 131 past league matches between the two teams making this friday's match number 132 uh, Wolves are just behind on 130, and Preston North End are on 127, which will become 128 uh, next month. Uh, this is season number 66 alongside uh, the team from the Hawthorns, and most of those, 47, were in the top flight, with just one in the third tier. That was in 1992-93. Uh, as this is our 18th season together in the second tier, we want to give you an overview of the previous 17 league matches at Turf Moor at this level. Uh, between 1901 and 1910, the Throssels, as they were colloquially known back then, visited Turf Moor on seven occasions in the second division and remained undefeated, winning on five occasions and drawing the other two. 
Uh, there was one more season together in the second division prior to the First World War, and that was in 1910-1911. And in January 1911, Burnley registered a 2-0 win thanks to a goal in either half from Benny Green. Uh, Burnley also won the next second-tier match at Turf Moor. That was a 2-1 victory in April 1931. Uh, that was thanks to goals from George Beale and Louis Page. Uh, the next two matches on our list took place either side of the Second World War. Uh, both ended in victory for the visitors by a 3-0 scoreline in September 1938. And then in the 1946-1947 season, there was a rare home defeat, just one of two during that campaign, uh, as Albion won 2-0 in September 1946. Obviously, Burnley went on to be uh, promoted to the top flight at the end of the season. Uh, we then jump forward to the 1990s. Uh, the only second-tier game at Turf Moor between the two teams was in March 1995. Uh, that finished as a 1-1 draw as Liam Robinson's equaliser cancelled out the opening goal from Albion's Andy Hunt. Uh, all of the five remaining matches on our list took place during the first decade of the new millennium. Uh, the first of those, in April 2001, finished 1-1 as Bob Taylor's goal cancelled out Glenn Little's opener. Uh, the visitors won again in February 2002, with both goals being scored in the first half by Jason Roberts. Uh, despite having Rob Hulse sent off in the next match in January 2004, Albion came from behind to grab a 1-1 draw after Jeff Horsfield scored to cancel out Robbie Blake's opener. We've played in the Premier League more recently, but the final two championship matches at Turf Moor were both Burnley wins. Uh, the most eventful of that pair of games was a televised match from April 2007, which we're going to keep back as our memory match. And that just leaves the 2-1 Burnley win from August 2007, uh, when the Clarets went behind to a goal from Kevin Phillips in the first half, but came back to win thanks to second-half goals from Michael Duff and an Andy Gray penalty. Uh, so overall, Burnley's pass record isn't great. Uh, we've won four, drawn five and lost eight of our previous 17 second-tier matches against the Baggies at Turf Moor, with just 16 goals for and 27 against. Excellent. I'm not entirely convinced that our record's going to improve that much this weekend. More of that to follow soon, Clarets. We're going to have a look at what our predictions are for that game. But before we get there, Adam Dennis, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here because we're going to move on to our new feature for the preview show, which is, of course... Most famous celebrity fans. This is the feature that Dave's put for the second half of the season because we've done all the stuff. What did we do first half, Dave? I don't even remember. What was it? Played for both. Played, Played for, for both. both. That was it. That's the one. I don't even know my own show. What's going on? Adam Dennett, without cheating and looking at Dave's cheat sheet, did you know any famous Baggies fans off the top of your head? Yeah, I knew a, I knew a couple of them. Uh, the top two on the list, Frank Skinner and Adrian Childs, are quite uh, out there as being yes. West Brom supporters. Um, I wasn't aware of uh, of the others on the list. I don't know if you're going to go through. Uh, yeah, them. we'll go through them in a minute. Mike, what about you? Did you have any on on your? Radar? I had, I I had Skinner and Childs as well. They're probably um, the most famous. So ones. you know. They were having fun in the 90s TV heyday. They absolutely were. And it would probably be no shock to you at all, listeners, that Dave has highlighted Frank Skinner and Adrian Charles as being the first and second um, on the list of West Brom fans. But who else is on that list? Well, for our younger audience, a certain Liam Payne, the ex-One Direction singer. Um, Dave, that one came as a bit of a surprise. Is that is that legit? Is he? He doesn't strike me as being... 
a West Brom fan. Apparently, apparently so. It's okay. Just a quick thing here. How verified are we about these celebrity fans? Or is this just Dave read an article somewhere about somebody who was vaguely connected to his nan's brother's uncle's cousin and decided that they were a fan? Well, I do that as well, but I also try to hear from the uh, the opposition fans. So we try and tweet out before the game, try and get some responses, try and get some genuine um, fans rather than ones that are just sort of really yeah, tenuous. Stats. Yeah. Well, I'm, I feel like I should put a disclaimer here, listeners. I cannot verify whether this information is accurate. Uh, it's not something we used to doing on the previous show because Dave is pretty good with his stats, but this one literally could have gone wrong. So let's move on. Who else is on there? We've got Frank Skinner, Adrian Childs, Liam Payne. Next two on the list, Lenny Henry, comedian and actor, very popular in the 90s, I would have said, late 90s, early noughties. Late 70s, all through the 80s and 90s. There you go. I am old enough to remember this. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the uh, fact-checking. One for slightly next generation going again, Kat Dealey, West Brom fan. I've heard this one before. Um, who's now based in Los Angeles, I think. So probably doesn't get to see the, the, the baggies that often. And then finally, former MP and speaker, Betty Boothroyd. They are your celebrity fans of West Bromwich Albion. Mike Landers, I'm going to ask you to give West Brom a score out of 10 for the standard of their celebrity fans, please. Out of 10, I think that's probably uh, an eight. Uh, uh, Lenny Henry, Sir Lenny Henry, if I remember correctly. Yes, sorry, I'm going to... Comedy legend, uh, very, very funny guy, does a lot of good work. Betty Boothroyd is a legend of politics. Um, Frank Skinner, uh, in the 90s, I was a huge fan of him. Still am. Um, Sorry? I like his breakfast show on Absolute 90s. I'm still... Um, I don't listen to that, but he had a number of shows on Channel 4 which were absolutely superb. Um, Liam Payne, I couldn't pick out of a police lineup, but that's not my Not my favourite One Directioner, not going to lie. Um, so I, you could you could have given me any name and any five people and I couldn't tell them from a group of Tesco shell stackers. Oh, it's um, direction, Mike Landers. Come on. Come on. It's like the I, biggest boy band no. ever. Uh, I'm, I'm too old for that kind of thing. That's true. He did know there were five of them. I think he's a secret one direction. You know no, how there's always five. Too. There's five in every boy band. It's a lot. It's a, a rule. Very good point. That's a good point. You know, um, you know, you know Harry Styles, though, Mike. Harry Styles. You know Harry Styles. Uh oh, vaguely. Has he been in a film recently with? He has. Um, yes, Florence Pugh. See, you're right, Adam. You've called that out. Uh, the, uh, Actually, Florence no, Pugh. I do know. Anyway. They. There you go. She was in there a film. She was in a film called Fighting with My Family, playing um, yes, uh, the wrestler. Raya, the wrestler. Yes, I, I do like professional wrestling. So there you go. This is uh, a direction that I expected the preview yeah. show to take. So I give, I give, yeah, eight out of ten. Eight. I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good little lineup there. Good, good story. range of, of everything, all ages, all interests. Go for it. Like it, Adam. Do you agree? Disagree? Are you going higher, lower, equal? Before we hand it over to Dave, the moderator. Yeah, I'd, I'd go higher. I think that's uh, the strongest we've seen no, so far. behave uh, yourself. Like Mike said, really good mix. Something for everyone. Uh, and a load of likeable people, I'd say. There's no one on there that's going to split too many opinions, I don't think. Okay, in terms of moderation, Dave, are you happy with that score of, of I think nine's too high. I'm going to pull that one back. Are we happy with eight or do we go in the middle? Eight and a half. No, I think, I think eight's fair. Eight's fair. There you go. 
Mike's been Mike's been verified. Sorry, Adam, you've missed out. <laughs> uh, let's move away from this nonsense, please, because as uh, Dave already hand, uh, alluded to a few moments ago, we need to talk to you about what memory match we have selected for this feature, please. Off you go, Dave. Uh, yeah, for this week's memory match, we're going to go back to the 2006-2007 season for a match which took place on Monday the 23rd of April 2007 in front of the Sky Sports cameras. Uh, the visitors, with Tony Mowbray in charge, were battling for a playoff place. And although Steve Cottrell's Clarets were in mid-table, having ended their torrid run of results, they had already all but guaranteed safety, uh, with three matches still to play. Uh, former Clarets midfielder Richard Chaplow was in Albion's squad, but had to be satisfied with a place on the bench for his return to Turf Moor. Uh, there was a whirlwind start, and the visitors were two goals up inside the first ten minutes. With goals from a Jason Kumas shot and a Nathan Ellington header, which deflected in off Wayne Thomas. Uh, Burnley managed to pull one back through Andy Gray after 15 minutes, and then there were no more in major incidents until just before half time, when Paul McShane was dismissed after an aerial challenge with James O'Connor, who suffered concussion and had to be replaced. Shortly after the break, Burnley made their numerical advantage tell. Uh, after a right-wing corner led to a scramble inside the six-yard box before Andy Gray fortuitously found the net for an equaliser. And the Clarets completed the comeback as Michael Duff's cross found substitute Chris McCann, who, let's generously say, headed in the winner in the 87th minute, although looking at the coverage again, it looked like it came more off his shoulder than his head. Uh, after the match, Burnley boss Steve Cottrell said, We started the game and didn't do anything we talked about for the first eight minutes. I've said to them that we don't need to be 2-0 down before we start responding against these sides. We shouldn't have given them as much respect as we did. After that, we deserve credit for getting back into the game. Uh, Burnley finished that season in 15th position on 57 points and West Brom made it to the Championship playoff final before being beaten 1-0 by Derby County. Oh, there you go. That's uh, that's a good memory match. Um, I don't really know if I remember that game actually, but there's honestly there's that many. Uh, well, before we move on to um, have a look at the final bits and pieces ahead of that game, you know we like to give you an opposition view. So this week we spoke to the Baggies podcast, the Baggies Pod, um, and got their view ahead of the game. Hello Burnley fans, it's Louis Bent here from the Baggies podcast, here to give some opposition insight into tomorrow's game, which, yeah, I mean, looking back to September, it really wasn't a big game in terms of league position, but now seems for us at least to, to, to be quite a big game. Um, the transformation to Carlos Corbran has been nothing short of exceptional since he took over in, in mid-October. I mean, we've really enjoyed some of the football that he's played uh, at the Hawthorns uh, and some of the games that we've managed to watch and seeing the defence really tighten up, which was a serious problem uh, during Steve Bruce's reign, has been something to, to behold, really, the way that that's changed and the way that things have got a lot tighter and we seem uh, a lot more defensively sound. So, yeah, I mean, so far this season, we've uh, since we since we last played each other, at least has been has been really good. We've we've thoroughly enjoyed uh, watching Albion again, which I think is a big thing for many supporters. And just glad to be sort of back in that promotion playoff mix, which is which is nice and something that we didn't think we'd be saying last time that we met um, at the Hawthorns. I think back at the end of September. So, yeah, I mean, approaching the match, um, I think that we'll we'll probably look to try and try and win the game. I think Corbrand isn't somebody who accepts a draw. I think we saw that against Luton last Saturday when we were uh when we came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. We could have stopped at 
two all and perhaps you know settle for a point away at Kenilworth Road but that's clearly not something that Carlos Corbran has in his mantra uh, with the players so I feel like that's that's something that he's going to look to do. He's going to look to win the game and look to play the same brand of football that we've been trying to do, which is fast, uh, fast in transi- transition, trying to get those counter attacks flowing very quickly. So, yeah, I think um, a predicted lineup. Uh, obviously, we played Chesterfield in the week, which was a largely changed lineup. Um, so I'll probably go in goal Alex Palmer, a back four of Darnell Furlong, Dara O'Shea, Eric Peters, uh, who's a former Burnley man, uh, Connor Townsend at left back, uh, two holding midfielders, sort of Akaya Kushlu drops a little bit deeper than Jason Mullumby, but they'll play sort of on, alongside each other. Um, we've got an injury in Matty Phillips on the left hand side after that cup game at Chester, against Chesterfield on Tuesday. So um, we'll probably switch Phillips out for. Uh, Grady Dean Garner leaving uh, John Swift in the number 10 role Jed Wallace uh, on the right hand side and then uh, Daryl Deeker at front because Brandon Thomas Asante will serve the final game of his suspension of course he scored in his first appearance against yourselves last time at the Hawthorns um, yeah I think Burnley have just really enjoyed watching them from the times they've been on Sky uh, I mean I know it was, wasn't a wasn't a particularly memorable day for, for yourselves, but I, I remember watching you going against Sheffield United earlier in the season, which was very, very chaotic, especially with set pieces and corners into the box, um, into your box for, in particular. But yeah, I think I've, I've been really impressed with Vincent Company. Always, always sort of looked at his time at Andalek, but not, not quite sure whether he was he was going to do a really good job at Burnley. You know, it's a big shift in in terms of personnel and style from from Dyche's days, but now it seems to be flowing absolutely brilliantly. I'm sure you'll be delighted with the way things have gone. But yeah, thanks very much for having me on, and and best of luck after after Friday. Okay, referee is going to be. I'm going to read out the referee. Dave, just give you a little bit of a break. So it's quite a long passage here. Um, the referee for the game at the weekend, listeners, is going to be 36-year-old Australian-born referee, Jared G.A. Is that how you pronounce it? Gillette? G.A.? Gillette. Thank you. I was Gillette. trying to be all posh and G.A. But that'd be French because I've been abroad for a week. I think I'm something I'm not. Um, he's now based in Liverpool and he will take charge of his first Burma match on Friday evening. So we don't really have any past match stats for you to bring this time. However, he has been the video assistant referee for five of Burnley's matches in the Premier League, all between 2020 and 2022. This will be the first time we've seen him in the middle role and not, obviously, as a video assistant. The only red card that he's shown so far this season was to Joel Bagan of Cardiff City for a deliberate handball on the line to deny a goal-scoring opportunity in their 2-2 draw with Leeds United in the FA Cup third round. Having seen the incident, Jared Gillette got the decision absolutely spot on in Dave's opinion, which, as we know, hasn't always been the case for Burnley so far this season. So there you go, Dave. Thank you very much for that referee information. Uh, Mr Landers... How are you feeling ahead of this game? Is this going to end up proving to be the most difficult challenge of the season? Bearing in mind the hard-fought game that we had down at the Thorthorns as well, that was a difficult game we conceded, of course, in something like 456th minute of the game. So what are you expecting from Saturday? Talk me through it. um, Ordinarily, yeah, I'd say this is probably the toughest test uh, that we've had. But the thing is, we've recently had a lot of very tough tests. And yes. past them, mostly with flying colours. Borough came here, uh, or came to the turf, what, four out of five? Yep. Absolutely yep. flying. Did nothing. Um, Coventry played well for 45 minutes. Farris came out on top. We were going to QPR. We, you know, played that lot down the road or when they were flying. All this kind of stuff. So, even though they are doing really well, um, 
I I am quietly confident. They the Corbrand's done a really good job since he came in. Yeah. Since they got rid of uh, Steve Bruce. But I've looked at their team and I'm kind of like not sure there's anyone there that's terrifying me. Um, I did see the name Eric Peters, but you know I'm not sure he's going to actually play. Um, but there's there's no one there I'm kind of like you know massively scared of. The guy up front, uh, DK, he's on a good run of form. He's a big lad, but I'm kind of happy that Taylor's there to to deal yeah. with him. Um, but I think it's going to be a good game. I, I, in the, if you'd have said this time last year with Steve Bruce and Sean Dyche in charge of the respective teams, is Burnley versus West Brom going to be an interesting game? Even uh-uh. I'd have said no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but under Company and Cobra, both teams want to play, both teams want to score. And I think we are in for a good game. I think I think as well, Mark. It's it's probably important to, to note that that Burnley side that played down at the Hawthorns has matured and progressed right. and got a lot grittier back then. It's not as as vulnerable. Is that the right word I'm thinking of? As it was back then. I, I agree. I mean, one of the things that has absolutely massively impressed me about Vincent Company is he doesn't make the same mistake twice. No, he doesn't. Um, and, you know, the, the team were making mistakes, but they were different mistakes at the start of the season. West Brom was a very good test. And it always is a good test. You know, as Dave said, we the, the team we played the most, they're always a good team. Um, and it was a good test for a young, put, thrown together side at that point. You know, going losing 1-0 at the Hawthorns, as far as I'm concerned, is never a disgrace. No. Um, and, uh, you know, so... I think it was a good wake-up call. I think the the roles are reversed. They're flying, but we we've been absolutely put the hammer down since what October, mm. um, and that's why I think it's going to be a good game. I I I think it's going to be a, uh, hopefully. I think the weather's going to be decent. It's going to be a cold night, but it's not going to be like a swirly rainy night. And I think both teams wanted to play it on the ground. It'll be interesting to see how West Brom cope with. Yeah, the yeah. Clarence pressure with the smothering, with the the way that we pass the ball around, um, yeah, and it's been interesting to see how we cope with because Corbran, I think, he's a bit of a uh, a counter attacking coach as well. Mm. So I think we're in for a bit of a cracker, to be honest. Good, I can't wait. I can't wait. I've been, I've actually genuinely. It's it's very nice to win and it's very nice to be dominant, but I'm also enjoying those that come and, and challenge us and actually we get a really good battle there, really good. Um. Adam, what do you do selection-wise? Obviously, we've already covered Taylor. I think we're unanimous in our view that we keep Charlie Taylor in that position rather than bring our new lad in straight away. What do you do about Jack Cork? What do you do about JBG? I think that's exactly what you do do, uh, JBG. Um, as soon as Cork got booked, you could feel around the ground, oh, no, there it is. There's the two-game ban. Oh, dear. Um, but J. Gunmanson's performance second half, like Mike alluded to earlier, everything good that we did in the second half, Benson's chance, Teller's chance, the goal, all came from JBG, linking with Zaruri and, and making inroads down that left-hand side and advanced 10 roll. Um, and I think Brownhill got be- better second half as well. So it, it, I think that's an easy decision for, yeah. for company to make, um, to bring, bring Gunmanson in. Uh, whether he, he sticks with the two wide, wide men, um, from the start, or he brings Teller in and plays slightly narrower. It'll be interesting to see, uh, but I think um, I think it will be a really stern test um, on on Friday because, as well as we've come up with the goods in uh, in tough games recently, so have West Brom, and 
it, like they've, I think they've won nine out of eleven. We've won ten out of eleven. They're going to be full of confidence, similar to like Mike said, Middlesbrough and probably Swans earlier in the season. I think came on the back of five wins and we absolutely battered them. But I've just got a feeling this will be different. Corbran is a thinker as well, and I, I think it'll be a really tactical affair. They've got good depth. Um, I think they've had players like Dean Garner and Rogic on the bench. Um, so they've they've got options as well. Whereas we saw at the weekend, Coventry just got you could tell they had nothing, nothing yeah. on the bench um at the weekend and and we really did push them back further and further into the game. Um but yeah, it should be a really tough test, but we've got nothing to fear at the moment. Uh really looking forward to the game. Um and yeah, still still confident we can we can come away with the three points, but and what a statement um, if we do. Exactly. If yeah, the next two, West Brom and Norwich, if we come away with returns from both them games, then we're absolutely flying. Yeah, definitely. Uh, quick score prediction then, please, Adam. 2-1 Burnley. Mike? 3-1 Burnley. Excellent. I love it. Where, Dave? 1-1. Uh, oh, for goodness sake. I'm going to stop asking you. Honestly. Three or, three or four years of the previous show, Mike, this is what I have to put up with. Young Dave. Davey Downer. Davey Downer. David, he is a Davey Downer. Honestly. I've given up really? with him. <laughs> Give it up with him. Regular listeners of the preview show know I have this battle with him every single week. It's fine. Um, what is going to be your Brommers Bankers this week? Uh, for those of you who like to have a flutter on my useless predictions, I'm going to say it's going to be a closer game. I'm not quite as confident as Mike is. I'm going to share Adam's prediction. I'm going to say 2-1 to the Clarets. Um, if you do want to put a bet on that, please do gamble responsibly or better still use a free bet because quite frankly, listeners, we're now in the second half of the season and I've not got one right yet. So please do bear that in mind before you decide to follow what Brommers Bankers will be this season. Uh, right, where's my script? I'm lost, Dave. Where are we? What are we doing next? Stat of the week. Yes, Dave. It's been a while since we did this live. Treat our listeners, please. Dive into the delve, sorry, into those pockets of yours nice and deep. And let us have your miscellaneous stat of the week. Uh, yeah, slightly niche stat of the week this week. Uh, between February and October 1926, Burnley scored in 27 consecutive league matches, which still stands as a club record for the longest sequence of league games where we've scored at least once. After scoring in our opening two league games of the current season against Huddersfield and Luton, we failed to score in the 1-0 defeat at Watford but we've scored in all 24 league matches since then, leaving just three short of that club record run from 1926. Incidentally, Burnley lost eight of those 27 matches during the run in 1926. Our only defeat in our current scoring run of 24 games was the 5-2 loss at Sheffield United. Oh, so very, very good stat of the week. Um, well, that is all we have time for, listeners, in terms of our preview for the West Brom game. Um, drop us a quick line. Let us know what your score prediction is. Let us know what you would do with a Jack Cork headache. When do you want to see our new defender come in? You know us, Drill. Tweet us at None and Ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page. Or if you feel like it, you want to go old school, you can send us an email at previewshow at net. Adam Dennett. What is happening in the world of FPL, please? Well, Falk Veghorst has made his Manchester United debut tonight. He's just been subbed off. Um, Shocker. Yeah, they're uh, they're currently 1-0 up, but I wouldn't advise putting him in your team with his two goals in 20 games for us last year, but the less said about that, the better. Um, um, we're talking about United putting him in their team, not the FPL, right? It, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, there's uh, we're again we've had some Thursday night games in the middle of game weeks, which makes it very difficult for us to bring you a full update. Um, what I will say is the next deadline for game week 21 is on Saturday at 11 a.m. Um, and then after that, there is a bit of a break uh, with the FA Cup the week after. So we should be able to bring you a full update from next week. And if you can, I'd say for this week, if you can roll your transfer and save for two free transfers going into the game week 22, we should have a lot more information around uh, blank and double game weeks given that um, we've got the FA Cup fourth round and um, all the rescheduling should be done as soon as that's complete. Got it. Um, so, yeah, much more detail to come next week, but, yeah, nothing much to update at the moment. Sounds good. So, basically, you're telling me not to be proactive and get my free transfer in this week. Is that what you're telling me, Adam? If if you uh, if you can afford to not make your transfer, there's not many injuries to big big players around at the moment. That can change very quickly, but... If you can save your transfer for a week, then uh, then I'd advise that at the moment. Yeah, yeah but uh, it's cute that you can that organised. Play my own <laughs> game, yeah, which is completely different. In fact, wasn't you, Mike, who tweeted me not so long ago and said, I don't play FPL, but essentially it seems to me that the strategy is doing everything that you don't do. Was it you? That was uh, your tweet, wasn't it? Uh, yes, guilty tweet. as charged. That was probably the last tweet I ever sent as well, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Charming. Well, well, yeah, but it's, it's just there's I mean, a long a time listener. Right? I just, I, I, as a long time listener, I, I definitely admire the fact that you are giving people betting predictions. I remember when there was the Dawn <laughs> prediction league. Oh, there was Kevin. And Kevin you were, used to run that. Oh, I was terrible. Yeah, way back when, and I'm not saying yes. you were you were far behind everyone else, but you were actually in the same postcode. So well done. <laughs> um, yeah. That's why I don't play those games. The, the one time I ever played that, I finished last as well. So, Well, you know what it is? I, I'm just, I like to think about our listeners and somebody's got to come last. And if I, I'm like the park run, what's the what's that person called? The, the marshal at the end of the park run who always comes last. That is the role that I bring to the known and ever podcast. If I'm always you last listeners, it. yes, you you won't be. You, you, you prefer to believe in the fantasy of your own construction rather than reality of life. And that's okay. That's fine. It works. Invited you on the show. Let's move on. Dave, I believe that we've got a quiz question to finish the show. Get me out of a hole. I'm getting needled by our guests. What's happening? Quiz question. Come on. We have got a quiz question. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that West Bromwich Albion are the team that Burnley have played the most league matches against. This Friday's match will be the 132nd. But can you tell us against which club have Burnley played the most second tier League matches. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good one. How do our listeners submit their answers, please, Dave? Uh, in the usual way, you can send your answers uh, to us via Twitter. That's at no, nay, never, uh, via DM, preferably, so no one sees your answer. Or you can email us, uh, preview show at no, nay, never .net, or contact us on the no, nay, never Facebook page, or even on YouTube as well. We'll have uh, we're on YouTube now for uh, for for preview shows, analysis shows. Oh. So getting contributors on there as well. I've actually got to brush my hair before we do recordings these days, and it's it's shocking. I'm not prepared for this, and I'm, I'm oh, scruffy right. girl's got to get on it. <laughs> yeah, well done, Mike. Well done, uh, Mike. Do you think you know the answer to that question? I think it's a bit of a left left field one, bro. I think it's, it's going Dave's. No, 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 don't, don't read it out. Don't no, read it out. Left field, left field selection. I I don't know for some reason. Borough jumped into my head. 
Whenever Ooh. we play those, it's tended to be in the second division. I think, Joe, you know, I like this, and we're not going to give the answer away because I don't know what it is, but I was thinking somebody like Ipswich. It might be somebody like that. Some that yeah, it came into of, my head as yes. well. The, the team that you associate being in the second division a lot. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so Borough. I'll go with Borough. I'm going to go with Ipswich. Let's see. Listeners, you know what to do. Well, that is all we have time for this week. We have dissected that very weird Coventry game and we have looked forward to another fantastic and very highly anticipated championship fixture at home against the Baggies. My thanks go to everybody who has contributed to making this podcast, not less our guests, Mike Landers, Dave Roberts and Adam Dennett, who have provided all of the insight for this show. As ever, this show is brought to you proudly by the TalkSport Fan Network. I've been Natalie Bromley. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.